Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome back. Today, we're addressing a, a very interesting topic in terms of social innovation and social enterprise, and that's agrihood. And one of our uh, well-known persons in this field is a gentleman by the name of Simon Johnson. So welcome, Simon. Thanks for having me on, Peter. Glad to talk to you. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about your education first? Well, mainly I uh, spend a lot of years studying permaculture design. And along with that, uh, sort of herbal medicine and the idea of growing food and medicine for oneself and one's community in uh, all types of different situations. And uh, what school did you learn that at? I took a permaculture design course through uh, Jeff Lawton through the uh, Permaculture Research Institute. And I studied herbal medicine outside of London at the Living Center mainly. you know, accompanying those two sort of main schools, I did a lot of, you know, reading and self-study and a uh, whole, you know, lots of other ways of learning about these different things, using the plants and, uh, you know, working on my own little projects and all this and that. But uh, I suppose those are the uh, main two places where I, you know, got technically certified, you could say. Okay, so once you had that, academic side done did you then seek out a job or what was your next step well from there i i suppose it was more of a uh, trying to see how i could use these things you, you know while working for myself so there was myself and my wife really she was also very interested in the uh, sort of herbal medicine side of things which is where we really started our business. Uh, we have a little herbal tea business where we sort of educate people about the, you know, we say herbs are here to help, right? And so it's about, um, you know, just trying to use nature in different ways to help with a lot of chronic things that people are dealing with these days that, uh, you know, the general medicine doesn't really have answers for. And so it's a lot about sort of just educating, just sort of sharing, you know, what we've learned over the years. And, uh, you know, along with that, so, you know, you always got to make some money. So, you know, selling the little herbal teas and running little workshops and things along the side. And with the permaculture side of things, you know, just doing a little bit of consulting with folks here and there, but mostly just really working on that right now with our own little projects and experimenting with, you know, what we can grow and what we can do with the, you know, land that is available for us kind of a thing. So you introduced me to a term that I'd never heard of, this thing called agrihood. Now, I did see something in the States where a group of millennials uh, started to build houses around this farm, and they uh, produce stuff in that farm for themselves and for the community. And that was kind of my introduction. Can you tell me a little bit more about what agrihood is? Well, that's a, that's a great start right there. Uh, basically, 
you know, the idea of, yeah, growing food and, and medicine products in neighborhoods. And so, you know, you can basically do it anywhere, like you say, where you saw it there in one particular neighborhood. But, you know, any any little plot of land and that's available can be designed with, uh, you know, designed in certain ways to produce things that people need in the area. And, you know, it's not all about just looking after oneself. Of course, you know, you need to consider your local community as well. So the agrihood idea is basically fundamentally that is designing, you know, little areas where one can grow things that are beneficial for, you know, one's community. And of course, the more resources and space you have available, the wider sort of a reach you can have. And so, you know, starting with the growing, but then of course it all just, you know, spirals out from there into you know, educating and running little workshops and, you know, pop-up markets to sell things or to, you know, process the different things that one grows and to, you know, other things that people could use, be they, uh, you know, preserves and such or, you know, little herbal, you know, ointments or these types of things, right? Any, you know, the imagination, you know, is the limit sort of a thing, right, at the end of the day, but... Uh, starts with uh, designing small neighborhood areas to produce uh, things of value for the community. And this can be done both inside and outside. Can you explain that? Oh, sure. Yep. Uh, That's the idea. I mean, depending at the end of the day, I mean, you start with evaluating what space you have available, Um, you know, whether you're looking at some indoor space that you'd like to do something with or whether you have the luxury of having some outdoor space and then you can evaluate you know what that space has available for you and the resources that you can use to turn those spaces into uh, you know more uh, more productive areas I suppose right you know you can imagine there's an unused lawn that just gets mowed and doesn't really produce anything. And, you know, you can evaluate all the given factors that are affecting that lawn and then determine what you can do with that. Or, you know, say you have a uh, large kind of uh, church type area or community building where, you know, a lot large areas of it are empty and, um, you know, the potential is there as well to, uh, grow things um you know there's all sorts of technology out these days that allows one to grow things on an indoor scale and in uh in many creative different ways as well so tell me about more about the indoor side of agrihood well there in uh well a lot of the things people are doing these days you know is kind of hydroponic stuff right so there's many different ways of growing things hydroponically which is you know basically um growing things in a, in a, a fertilized water type of a solution right so a lot of people are doing things with fish you know so you can bring in you know large tubs where you can grow certain species of fish that you know eat plant food say and then you know you could grow those algaes or different types of uh marine uh, life that those specific fish eat and then they produce fertilizer right with of course their poop and all that stuff and then that becomes a 
highly nutritious plant food, which then you can circulate throughout your growing system, which, um, you know, can be set up in many different ways. But uh, basically, you know, you can set up all sorts of different, uh, what do you say, like uh, planter beds, you know, whether they have soil in them or not, uh, depending, again, on your resources and how you want to approach certain situations. Um, and then, you know, given, again, how much light you have, you know, if you are fortunate enough to have, you know, lots of windows and such, maybe you don't require any extra lighting or you can, you know, invest in different types of lighting systems that are out there now, all sorts of pretty high-tech LED stuff these days for greenhouses and whatnot that can be uh, easily adapted to all sorts of different indoor situations. Um, so just a couple examples there, growing things, but, you know, along those lines then too, you can also, um, you know, treat wastewater in, the, in a sense. You know, a lot of the water that we flush down the drain is uh, not actually that dirty, you know. Just, you know, think about having a shower or, you know, washing your hands and, you know, water like that, you know, doing the dishes and stuff. It, uh, you know, goes down the same drain as the toilet bowl water, which, uh, you know, at the end of the day probably isn't the best idea and the best way to go about using water. And so you could, you know, set up different types of um, situations where that water could be better managed. You know, you could grow all sorts of uh, wetland type plants that, you know, feed on the, you know, bits of, uh, you know, life, you know, skin cells and, you know, whatever little bits of uh, gray water, they call that, right, that goes down the drain, which, you know, those types of plants could, could then lead into feeding, again, some sort of other um, fish type of a system and so on, right? It's all about how you can connect different dots, you know, what do you have available, you know, what are the things that, you know, are in your system that, uh, you know, are in abundance and that need dealing with that aren't properly being dealt with and, you know, then what are different ways of approaching the, how to uh, manage those systems, right? And then how can you turn those into, into a benefit to, um, to do something useful with, basically, right? Excellent. So I want to throw a couple of scenarios at you and see, as a consultant, how you would deal with them. So the first one is a community of faith where they are using uh, 30% of the space in the building, and they have four acres of land outside that is totally unused. So as a consultant, what kind of plan would you put forward? I know you don't have a lot of details, but uh, in terms of your ability, in terms of design, what are some of the things you might recommend this community of faith? Well, I... <laughs> That's always the, the, the funny thing with the permaculture, the permaculture design at the end of the day, you know, you always get the vague answer. It depends, right? So it's always a funny thing because the first thing is first, you always need to evaluate what resources are available, right? You know, so what is the land like for one, you know, how much sun do you get? How much rain, you know, what, what am I, you know, how wet is it? When does it, what can you do here and there? How many people do you have? What kind of money do you have? 
you know, sort of sky's the limit, you know, given, you know, enough money and people to help you out sort of a thing. But just as a, uh, you know, real sort of general basic thing, I mean, on four acres, like that's a huge amount of land, really. The amount of stuff you could grow on there is uh, really, uh, you, you know, you really can't quite imagine it until you've actually seen some of the systems that are producing right now. But, um, I mean, you could plant all sorts of fruit trees and berry bushes. You could grow these real sort of productive uh, orchard-type forest gardens, I like to call them, you know. Uh, basically, you could set up these systems such that, you know, with after initial setup and, uh, you, you know, uh, sort of making sure the plants take and, and begin to grow, that after some time you can arrange it such that these systems really basically take care of themselves with very minimal input after a certain period of time. You know, you can think about a forest that in nature, nobody's out there looking after it. It just, uh, you know, it grows, right? And it produces its own fertility and the new trees grow and stuff is, uh, you know, things are renewed, right? It's all about uh, renewal. So, you know, given four acres, you could uh, set up some really amazing systems in that way that would uh, continuously produce more and more abundance year after year while requiring less and less actual, um, you know, physical human or machine input to maintain. Um, so those Types of, that type of a thing uh, is really right up my alley. So I'm really a big fan of uh, sort of the idea of this energy audit. You know, how much energy do you put into a system uh, versus how much energy do you receive from that system? So a great just little example is, you know, an apple tree, right? You know, you plant an apple tree and, you know, you got to look after it a little bit for a while just to, you know, get it started and water it and make sure it starts to grow. But year after year, you kind of have to do less and less with that apple tree the bigger it gets you know you don't have to water it and it produces more and more apples every year kind of the bigger it gets right and that's just like one element of of this type of a system that you could implement and i mean on four acres you could start talking about uh, you know small ponds and wetland type things as well where you know again you could be managing uh, large amounts of water like i know in the city uh, oftentimes like i was living down in Windsor where, you know, flooding is often a huge problem, you know, at certain points of the year, the amount of water that is, uh, you know, gets uh, directed down the storm drain, um, you know, especially off people's roofs that uh, could be better managed and, you know, say on four acres. And if you were a place of faith uh, with the large building, like that's a huge amount of uh, square footage that, um, you know, gets rained on consistently and to be able to, manage that water through a well-designed sort of wetland, um, you, you know, groundwater rehabilitation type of a system as, you know, would be most excellent, I'm sure, would really contribute to the reduction in flooding in certain areas, while at the same time, you know, being used to uh, water all the uh, different growing systems, right? And, you know, then from there, of course, you can implement all sorts of uh, you know, sort of more um, traditional gardening, market garden type systems within and around that as well. Once you, um, you know, with that kind of a land, you could definitely set up, you know, really nice sort of vegetable type uh, growing situations where you could then arrange little summer markets and so on. And people come and buy 
super local produce, right? Like now we're not talking, you're not even talking driving out of the city or going to your local farmer. You know, the local farmer is literally the, you know, just down the block kind of a thing, right? So you don't even have to get in your car. You could just walk or, you know, ride your bike down the road and, and there's your, uh, there's your local market sort of a thing. Right. And I mean, if you're producing consistently, like once you get things set up in a, in a, in a good way and you have people working there, like this doesn't even, this could be open all the time sort of a thing. Right. In the summertime, I mean, people could basically just come and, you know, you could offer work trades. You could, you could trade, you know, produce for, for work and all of these different things you could do right and at the same time given an indoor space i mean you could certainly uh set up something like i know uh, i know microgreens is a really great little uh, easy to start indoor operation that doesn't require you know a whole ton of effort you know not nearly as much as a whole sort of hydroponic system where you know growing microgreens in an indoor scale uh, could, could could be done all year round right and so now we're talking winter time as well. And then, of course, you know, now you now you can get into the whole education aspect as well. Uh, you know, as, as with an indoor space, now you have yourself a little classroom area or, you know, gathering space for, you know, like-minded folks to come together and uh, share ideas and educate each other. Um, you know, these are the types of things that, that could be set up. And, I mean, Again, four acres and a and a, and a nice indoor uh, space could really be designed in some really amazing ways when you get into the uh, whole idea of the permaculture design, which I guess I'll give just a little blurb on that too. But basically, you know, it starts with ethics in permaculture, right? So the idea is to take care of the earth, take care of the humans, and to take care of the future generations, right? So these, you know, when we begin to design a system with these fundamental ethics in mind, uh, basically you're working with nature, right? So it's all about, you know, partnering with the natural world. We're no longer um, just, you know, mining the soil, if you will, right? We're no longer just using or forcing our will upon the land at the expense of, you know, resources and pollution and, you know, all these ways that are, you know, conventional ways of sort of using land right now. Right. So it's more about, again, partnering with nature, you know, what is, what does the natural world offer to us, you know, well, soil and sun and rain, you know, at a fundamental level. And then, so how can we, manage those elements and design them into the space that we are allotted such that they are of a benefit to us, right? And permaculture design really gives one the mindset to be able to evaluate all of these different elements that are affecting an area and uh, really arrange them in such a way that they are working with nature and, and humans together, right? It's a real, becomes a real partnership where everyone benefits. The land becomes more fertile, the humans become healthier, and, uh, you know, good things are, are, uh, are a result, if you will, kind of a thing, right? So, Simon, 
One of the concerns of the community of faith example I mentioned is the need to generate revenue to support repairs to the community of faith facility. With that kind of land and space inside, are there ways to generate revenue? Absolutely. Um, I mean, revenue generation, it can come in so many different ways, right? I mean, just even uh, without really getting into doing a whole lot right off the bat, generating revenue can could be done just in the sense of having some presentations, you know, bringing in some speakers um, and, and holding a workshop where, you know, people people come in and they want to learn. They have a you know qualified speaker on a on a good topic, and um, you know people come and they pay a few dollars to uh, partake in this workshop kind of a thing, right? Or it's just uh, one way to generate a little bit of revenue right off the bat without even having to invest much in you know in, in the implementation of uh, you know larger scale production systems. But it all, you know, again, it depends on the resources at hand. But if, uh, you know, such a place has, um, you know, many willing hands, if you will, at the end of the day, sort of permaculture is about human power and not machine power, right? So if you have, uh, you know, willing volunteers, then, um, you know, really you can, you can set up a market garden, you know, fairly easily and fairly quickly. So, you know, given the, given the season's uh, effort with uh, some, good solid individuals and uh, a well thought out design, you could uh, fairly easily be able to grow a uh, nice amount of uh, market garden type vegetables and such over one summer season and, uh, you know, have yourself a little, you know, weekly, weekly pop-up market there where, uh, you know, the locals come and purchase fresh organic uh, vegetables from just down the road. Right. So there's just a couple quick ways that you could uh, generate revenue, uh, you know, right off the bat, almost sort of a thing, right? Uh, and as time goes on, you know, the, the, again, these systems only become more fertile uh, with good design. And so, you know, the more you, the more you put into it with, uh, with good design, uh, the, the, the more you'll get out of it, right? So, again, with you setting up these forest garden type systems, you know, give yourself a few years down the road. And I mean, you know, raspberries, you, you're producing raspberries in a, in a year and, you know, strawberries and, you know, then you're on to some other things, you know, hazelnuts. I mean, they grow within, a, you know, five years and such. And once you're talking these forest type systems, now you're, you know, producing huge amounts of abundance, like, you know, apples, and peaches, and pears, plums, you know, raspberries, strawberries, you name it sort of a thing. Right. And, all of that stuff can fetch a uh, fairly good price on the market. I mean, to get organic, you know, organic varieties of these things that are that are hyper local is uh, is often no easy task. Uh, you know, if you're out and about just searching for this stuff, and so you know, if depending on you know your marketing skills and you know what your goals are exactly, but um, you know, you could really sell a lot of this stuff as it would be, you know, high, super high quality driven, you know, growing in a permaculture way. These things are uh, often much more uh, nutritious and, de- and delicious 
um, what be given they're often grown in these what's called a polyculture, which is uh, you know a mixture of plants. You're not just sort of growing one uh, a monocrop, right? You don't just have all your you know one big field of raspberries, right? Which require a whole bunch of watering and this and that while they're grown with you know five or six other plants that go around them, which um, seems to really benefit the taste and the quality of the fruit that's produced, and you know as a result one could market that and, uh, you, you know, sell them, sell them at a pretty penny if you were so inclined kind of a thing, right? Okay, Simon, that's uh, very helpful. The second scenario I wanted to uh, get your input and suggestions on, <coughs> I'm visiting a homeless shelter uh, tomorrow, and many of these homeless people... Uh, don't have knowledge of how they could start a business. And one of the simple ways is through Agrihood. And on this particular shelter location, they have a great deal of property that is unused. So do you have some thoughts on how these homeless people could learn at the shelter location and then transfer that into a real-time small business? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, the, the thing with all of this is, is that at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's rather low-tech and low-skill. You know, you don't have to, you know, it's not rocket science kind of a thing, right? Um, if you have, you know, a couple, you know, skilled, dedicated individuals who are looking to sort of lead the charge and, you know, who will educate and, and, and begin the systems, you know, to, to, to show people, to set them up, then, you know, these these homeless people could easily, we could easily contribute, you know, different manual labors and, and learn along the way. Like, you know, it's really not that hard to uh, plant plants and harvest food and, and, you know, dig holes and do all these different things, right? And, uh, and, and it's fairly easy and fun. You know, there's all sorts of uh, really great studies about, you know, the mental health benefits of being out in the garden and being in the forest and all these things, right, which is always a major concern uh, given the homeless situation. And so there's, you know, multiple benefits along those avenues. And then, you know, as they, uh, you know, learn from, you know, whomever is uh, the main sort of spearheading this operation, the educator, um, uh, yeah, of course. And if the homeless shelter has, uh, you know, large amount of land, well, then, you know, those 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 homeless individuals wouldn't need to seek out, you know, their own plot of land. You know, it's always a major uh, stumbling block for, uh, you know, new farmers is, you know, where am I going to get my land, given that, you know, everything is astronomically expensive these days. And so, if you have these types of community situations where they say, hey, we have land here and, um you know, we're willing to teach uh, interested folks and in how to do things, and we're doing things already. If you come and come and pitch in, then you know, and you could run small businesses off of this land, right? So maybe someone is uh, just you know particularly interested in in growing medicinal herbs, right? And so, okay, well, here we have this area here. We're setting up a little forest garden, and you're particularly interested in medicinal herbs. Well you know, have at it kind of a thing, right? So here's a basic introduction on how to go about thinking and designing and growing and using these plants. And, you know, then one can take the initiative to, you know, further one's education. 
and uh, be the guy, if you will, in charge of the medicinal herbs. And so, you know, you could be harvesting, you know, growing them and harvesting them and processing them into, you know, little usable things again, like, you know, lip chaps and ointments and, uh, you know, herbal tea blends and so on and so forth. And then you could market those that, uh, you know, in lots of different ways and make a few bucks here and there. And of course, there are many examples along those lines, you know, say someone were interested in, uh, you know, you know, chickens or, or chicken eggs, like, you know, you could easily, uh, you know, have a really pretty good little income coming in from, uh, you know, small time chicken egg operation that can be managed in a, in a small scale way and, uh, you know, designed in such a way that you could feed the chickens for free from, you know, say local restaurant scraps and things like this, but, and then producing high quality, you know, so it's for, organic eggs and uh, again those things fetch a pretty penny at uh, at the store these days and you know again the, the options are li- are limitless really given uh, an individual's interest and um, you know commitment and the resources available and all that sort of a stuff but uh, those are you know just two sort of quick little examples um, again you know that gave the market garden example earlier someone could spearhead that operation and uh you know, lots of different ways one could could make money in those ways. Well, again, at the same time, in the whole situation, I feel strongly about the uh, mental health aspect that this uh, gardening and you know agriculture permaculture approach to uh, to, to 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 living uh, encourages. I know you know I know I always feel better when I'm out in the garden, being outside in the sun, and doing good work. You know, exercising my uh, physical and uh, mental and spiritual faculties kind of a thing, right? So, Simon, you and your wife work together. In terms of uh, what you're doing now, do you have a website that people could reach you at? Yeah, absolutely. You can check us out at Simon Steeps. That's S-I-M-O-N-S-T-E-E-P-S. Steeps is in steepingtea.com. So, simonsteeps.com. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we have the uh, little herbal tea blends on there. And, um, yeah, you know, from there you can check out the social media and you can email us and contact button and order teas. And, you know, anybody who wants to reach out and talk to me further about any of these ideas or is interested in, you know, little consultations and things, um, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to people. I love uh, sharing what I've learned. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's really what we're all about is uh, – just spreading the good word, if you will, right? Um, you know, the more people who are doing this kind of thing, the better. There's, uh, you know, there's you can never have too many of these places and you can never have too many people doing good things and helping the land and helping the community there, right? So today we've learned an awful lot about agrihood and the good work that Simon Johnson is doing as a social entrepreneur together with his wife. And I'd like to thank you, Simon, for spending the time with us today. And I would encourage our listeners to check your website out and consider contacting you. Thank you very much. Well, you're most welcome, Peter. Thanks for reaching out. I'm uh, happy to talk and uh, look forward to uh, talking with anyone else who's interested.